0: This morning I want to preach a message from the book of James and, I, and also from the book of Ezekiel. So if you'll turn to Ezekiel 33, put a marker there, and then turn to James chapter 1 and put a marker there. We're going to be looking at both of these passages. You know, God only has to say something one time for it to be important, but sometimes in, in Scripture He repeats. And that's a horrible slide, sorry about that. Sometimes he repeats things for us because we are forgetful, are we not? And the principle that I want us to see today is that action is required. Now remember, James is saying that we show our faith by our works. He says faith without works is dead. Now this is not a contradiction of what Paul teaches and preaches and writes in Scripture because God's Word cannot contradict itself, right? We are saved by faith. But once we're saved, how do I see your faith? I see your faith by your works. Therefore, Christian, in the Christian life, action is required. But the truth is, is when it's all said and done, usually more is said than done. I have sat through some of the most boring meetings Recently, I was in a meeting and this guy got up and he presented this work that they're supposedly doing for government and going on and on and on how, the, how the, their organization has been in existence for five years and they just came up with a brand new program of how they're going to do everything. And the one guy in the room got up afterward and said what everybody was thinking. He goes, that sounds like a typical government bunch of talk but no action. And, I, and it's, it's amazing how much people talk but no action. But in the book of Ezekiel that we're going to read as well, Ezekiel also says that many times it could be something good. We hear a message being preached. Oh, that was a great message. But did it really change your heart? You know, we have a problem in Christianity today. We play this game of who's who among the preachers. Paul condemns that type of action. Whether it was Apollos, Peter, or Paul preaching, he says that the fact is, it's the word of God being preached. But you know what I see in Christianity today? Oh, big name preacher. I think I'll go listen to him. Oh, little name preacher. Eh. Well, what matters more, the man presenting the message or the message that's being presented? Now, I understand, yes, the man has qualifications that he's to live by. I'm not saying that. But some may be an eloquent speaker. Others are not. But if they're preaching the word faithfully, it doesn't matter who delivered it. What matters is the message that was preached. And more importantly, how did that change me? How did that help me grow more in the image of Christ? You can ask many preachers sometimes, even on Monday morning, what did you preach yesterday? Um, give me a minute, I'll think about it. So as James is going through this, we'll start in the book of James, and then we'll flip back to Ezekiel. And if you would please stand with me and honor the reading of God's word. We're going to read both of these passages and examine them this morning. James chapter 1 and verse 22, he writes, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh in the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man should be blessed in his deed. Let's go back to Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel 33, and starting at verse 30, Ezekiel writes, Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. And speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them As a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come, then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. And so, as we look at these two passages, we're going to look at four simple points this morning. First, we're going to see the requirements to be a doer, we'll observe the reason for being a doer, then we'll see the resemblance to a mirror, and then the results of being a doer. Father, again, thank you for your word, and Lord, I pray now that again you remove all distractions, we can focus on what you have for us, that your Holy Spirit be able to convict hearts. Father, again, if there's one that does not know Christ as Savior, I pray that today they would see their need for salvation in Jesus Christ. And I pray for Christians, Lord, that we be strengthened, that we be reminded not to be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And so, Lord, help us to this end we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you, may be seated. It's interesting in Ezekiel. Lord tells Ezekiel, The children still talking against thee by the walls. You know, they come to Ezekiel, hey Ezekiel, you're a great guy but they're talking bad about him behind his back. Let me remind you of something. Those that are willing to talk to you about somebody are willing to talk to somebody else about you behind your back. So don't be so quick to listen when somebody comes to you, I want to tell you what so-and-so did, because remember this, they're talking to somebody else about you. We call it gossip. But we don't really want to call it that anymore. It's now Facebook. It's social media. You know, I saw on social media, this guy trying to say that he's trying to explain scriptures to others and he doesn't understand why everybody has their own opinion and won't just listen. And I almost wanted to write, well, this is the dumbest platform in the world to try to have a, script, a spiritual dis- discussion on, but I left it go because I didn't want to stoop to his level of being there. But anyhow, folks, The world many times is going to smile at you and and tell you what a wonderful person you are. But they're going to talk bad about you. So here's the point. Be careful with praise. Take it with a grain of salt. Okay? And also remember, the praise truly doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. This happens in ministry. Pastors can become lifted up in pride because as they stand out afterward, people saying, Pastor, what a wonderful message that was. You know what? If you receive something from the message, praise be to God, not to the preacher. It happens with politicians. Many times politicians start out well, but then all of a sudden when, you know, you ever notice when somebody gets elected, all of a sudden, as Mike says, their jokes all of a sudden are funnier. They they stand a little bit taller and all these other things, right? Because people put them up on a pedestal, then all of a sudden, some of them actually start to think they are somebody. You know what the greatest calling in all of life is? To be a servant. To be a servant. Did not God himself, when he became a man, serve? Yes. And you know what? Let's stop thinking of ourselves as somebody, but remember, we're just a servant. But God comes to Ezekiel and says, they're still talking about you, Ezekiel, and remember, they're still going to be talking about you. But he says, They cometh to thee, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. Folks, this is hearing the word, but not doing the word. And we've all been guilty of it. We've heard a message preached, but then we go out and do the exact same thing they were doing before. You know, the message might have been on trusting God, and as soon as the message is over, we're standing in the hallway complaining to everybody about all these things in life and we're worrying and fretting about it. Well, did the message really affect our heart? Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Or the message may be about forgiveness, and as soon as we leave here, somebody put, cuts us off in the road and we're showing our nice little anger at them. Did the message really change our heart? Oh, preacher, that was a great message you preached. I love the way God describes it to Ezekiel. He says, you're as one who can sing lovely and play a great instrument. It's like all this great music. But do we not compare many times preachers thinking, oh, what a wonderful voice he had. How alliterated that was. How wonderful that was. Who cares? Look at the context of the message and ask God to change my heart with the word of God. Convict me of things that need to be different in my life. And then here's the important thing. You know why we give an invitation here at Freedom Baptist Church? It's not so I can see who has a need. It's not so I can sit here and pretend like I'm, you know, somebody extra spiritual because I get to pray for all these folks raising their hand. No, the reason why we give an invitation is so that we can take action on what we heard. And so, yes, we invite you to either come up here and kneel before God or kneel in your place where you are. There's nothing magical about coming up here and kneeling other than this. It is an action that confirms, I need to change this in my life, and I'm going to show by action, going and kneeling and talking to God about this matter. But many times, oh, that was a great message, but nothing changed. So let's now go over to the book of James And you see how these two passages are very parallel passages. James says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. It's a command to be a doer. It's an imperative. But be, become, doers. Jameson Foster Brown puts it this way. It says, Qualification of the precept, be swift to hear. Be doers, not hearers only, not merely do the word, but be doers. In other words, systematically and continually, as if this was your regular business. Not just, okay, I'm going to do it this one time, but I'm going to continue to do the word. I'm going to continue to be a doer of the word. In other words, then, that means we need to be meditating on the word and thinking about the word in order to keep doing the word, right? Not just hearing it, but doing it. Matthew Henry writes it this way. He says, Hearing is in order to doing. The most attentive and most frequent hearing of the word of God will not avail us unless we be also doers of it. If we were to hear a sermon every day of the week and an angel from heaven were were the preacher, yet if we rested in bare hearing, it would never bring us to heaven. Therefore, the apostle insists much upon it. And without doubt, it is indispensably necessary that we practice what we hear. Many times people say, well, that was great to hear. You know, not only in preaching in church, many times in different areas, different meetings you go to, oh, that's a great thing, we should take action on it. And then a week later, nothing's been done. So what good was the talk if there's not action? Hearing is not enough. Jesus gives the parable of the man who builds his house upon a rock, And the mother who built his house upon the sand and when the storm comes and the winds blow, the house upon the sand falls, but the house upon the rock stands firm. Well, one understood what he should do, but he didn't do it. The other acted upon it. You know, building a house on the sand is not a wise idea, yet people continue to do it, right? I mean, every time a storm blows through, all the houses that are built on sand get knocked down, they're all scratched their head wondering why but there's houses built upon a rock to stand. Well, so you and I should build our lives on the rock, not on the sand. But many hear that and understand it, but do they do that? Are we building our lives on the rock Jesus Christ? Or are we building our lives on the humanistic philosophy? Now, since Brother Larry asked to speak, I'm going to go ahead and use him as an illustration. You see, I think the difference between now, all the ones lobbying for, let's take this little bit at a time. Let's try to get a heartbeat bill. Let's try to get this bill. Let's try to get this bill. We're going to take abortion away a little bit at a time. In my opinion, especially since Roe versus Wade has been overturned, is building it on sand. But Larry says, let's build it on the rock. Jesus said that all life is important. So let's go ahead and get rid of abortion, period. Let's get rid of killing from the time of conception to the time of natural death, period. See, that's a principle based on the rock of God's word. Hence the reason why he does not move off of that principle, because it's not wavering with the sands and the winds of the day. It's based on the rock of Jesus Christ. And that, my friend, is how you and I should live every aspect of our life. Stop wavering with the winds of the time and start living by the principles and the rock of Jesus Christ and His Word. Another commentator says, it's not enough to remember what we hear and to be able to repeat it and to give testimony to it and commend it and write it and preserve what we have written, that which... All this is in order to, and which crowns the rest, is that we be doers of the word. So why should we be doers? But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Hearing the word and not doing the word is self-deception. Is that not what God says there? Deceiving your own selves. You know, when an officer is in the military, we say they're a commissioned officer, right? We have some who were commissioned officers here. So when they're given a commission, doesn't mean that they just hear the orders given and do nothing about it. It means they're supposed to carry those orders out, right? So we have the commission, the great commission given in scripture that we're to preach the gospel to every creature. Are we carrying out those orders? Are we doing the commission given to us, or do we just hear it and say, I'll get around to it, Lord. That's for the preacher to do. That's for the evangelist to do. That's for somebody else to do. I'm too shy to talk to my neighbor. Really? What about when you need a cup of sugar? All of a sudden, you're not so shy anymore, right? But deceiving has the idea to delude or lead astray. Romans 2.13 says, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law should be justified. Again, not working for salvation, we understand it's by faith we're saved, not of works lest any man should boast. Scripture makes that clear. It's all of Christ. Christ did all the work for my salvation. Hallelujah. Because if I had any part of it, I would mess it up. I promise you that. I'm glad salvation is in Christ alone. But because I am saved, doesn't it make sense? Paul says in Romans 12 that... We give our bodies a living sacrifice after all he's done for us. Doesn't it make sense that we just give what we can back to him? It may not be much, but it's all I have to give. And so I should be doing, and here's another problem I see. Many who do, do because they fear that God is like some mean ogre ready to zap him if I don't. Okay, I honestly still believe that's a wrong motive for serving God. First of all, God has already demonstrated his love toward you and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? Now, God does expect me to live for him and to serve him. Yes, but I shouldn't serve because, oh, if I don't do this today, God's going to be mad at me. No, I should serve him because I desire to, because I want to, because I love him. And I want to show my love to God by serving him and doing what I'm supposed to do right? Barton says it this way. He says, it implied here that merely hearing the word, but not doing it, they would deceive their own souls. The nature of this deception was this, that they would imagine that that, that that was all that was required, whereas the main thing was that they should be obedient. If a man supposed that by mere punctual attendance on preaching or respectful attention to it, He has done all that is required of him. He is laboring under the most gross self-deception. And yet there are multitudes who seem to imagine that they have done all that is demanded of them when they have heard attentively the word preached. Of its influences on their lives and its claims to obedience, they are utterly regardless. You know, we tend to call, when we have an evangelist, we call them revival meetings as if we can schedule when God's going to send revival. And I'm not trying to be mean, okay, or, or pick on terms, but sometimes I question the terminology we use. And then we have this week of preaching. Oh, that was a great message, preacher. Oh, that was such a good message, preacher. That was a good message. But then sometimes I feel at the end of the week, what has really changed? What has really changed? Is there action? Is there doing the word? Is there people saying, I must serve him. Let me tell you what changes people's focus. Again, Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah saw the holiness of God, he saw the sinfulness of self, and then he was willing to serve. Too often we think too highly of self. I am so tired of this worldly philosophy of we need to build people's self-esteem, we need to build people's self. Now, I understand it's not thinking that I uh, you know, have no value because I, Christ has proven I have value. He was willing to die for me, correct? But it's not my self-importance. That's what we mean many times by self-esteem is you're important. You deserve it. You, 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 you just need to think more highly of yourself. You need to th- tell people how wonderful you are. You need to do this and that and the other thing, which is totally contradictory to Scripture. Because Jesus said, when we have done all that is our duty to do, say we are but unprofitable servants. I had a friend that used to say, when you'd ask him, Neil, how are you doing today? He goes, better than I deserve. I started using that phrase. I had somebody reprimand me and say, that's a horrible statement. I said, no, it's not. I said, what do I deserve? You know what I deserve? I deserve to be in the fires of hell right now. That's what I deserve. So I'm doing better than I deserve. We need to remind ourselves of that. I deserve eternity separated from God, but he loved me enough. He sent his son to die in my place. I am doing a whole lot better than I deserve because not only do I get to live for him now, but I'm going to spend all eternity with him. He's forgiven my sins. He's washed me white as snow. I have a whole lot better than I deserve. And then I ask, When he hung on that cruel cross for me, how can I sit there and just hear the word and not desire to do the word? So let's be a doer, not just a hearer. My wife, the other night, turned on the Hallmark Channel again. And since I had been watching some documentaries for the last couple nights, I let her watch one. And I think we made it through a whole Hallmark movie without them saying, follow your heart. I'm surprised our TV doesn't have holes in it because I feel like throwing something at the TV every time I hear that stupid phrase, following your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know what I find? My heart is deceptive. My heart is wicked. I am glad God created me a clean heart. I'm glad God has created me a new man. But you know, the old man is still wicked The old man is still vile. The old man still wants to be selfish. The old man still wants it his way. And I got to die to the old man and be renewed in Christ every day. Won't you be glad when we finally put off the old man completely and we put on that glorified body that's going to be fit and buff and trim? Wow. I never heard so much laughter here. <laughs> Verse 23, if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. You go to the mirror and the mirror doesn't fix anything. I looked in the mirror yesterday and I noticed this hair right around here. If I were not to trim this down, I would look like a caveman because my beard would grow all the way up around my eyes. Okay. And the older I get, hair starts growing in places it shouldn't. Start growing around the ears. And any older men deal with the same issues, it starts growing out your ears. It's like, what in the world is all this? And in places it should be, it departed, you know? <laughs> and every time I look in the mirror, it doesn't fix any of it. It just says, you're ugly. No. The mirror says, there's less hair on top. And I got to squint because of this big bright spot now where the light shines down on it and then I see this hair hanging out my ears and growing over here yesterday I looked at the mirror and I was like oh I probably need to trim that up and then I went about my whole day and didn't trim it up because the mirror didn't do anything for me so this morning when I looked in the mirror guess what this hair right here needed trimmed up still so I took a razor and I trimmed it up see, the Word of God is like a mirror. It shows you what is, needs to be changed in your life, right? Remember, the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So it shows us what is right. It shows us what in our life is not right. It shows us how to get it right. And it shows us how to keep it right, right? Well, when I read the Word of God and God convicts me, that this is an area of your life that you need to change, you need to surrender to me, or whatever the case may be, oh, that was a great message. Or if I read it in my personal study, oh, that's really good, Lord, thank you for that. Nothing has changed until I take action and say, God, I struggle with this sin. I need victory over this sin. Lord, I submit this to you. And then, you know what happens sometimes? I still fail. I confess it immediately, and I say, God, I took it back. I'm sorry, Lord, but it's, it's, I need to submit this to you. I cannot, because our flesh is weak. Our heart is wicked, right? We need the power of God working in us to have victory over sin. And as I explained recently, if you want victory over sin, don't focus on the sin, focus on God. Focus on the character of God and look at your sin and how it violates the character of God. Focus on that character because that's going to change our thinking because the Bible says that we put off the old and put on the new by the renewing of our mind. we got to change the way we think. And when we change the way we think, then it's going to change the way we act. We try to wash up the outside and clean up and put on all these actions, but the inside still not change. we got to change the way we think first, change from the inside, then the actions will change. If you look in a mirror and you see all the perfections, but you walk off and do nothing about it, nothing's changed. Kind of like going back to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, that was a wonderful message. Man, that just sounded like music in my ears. And then they go live in their covetousness still. But, verse 23 again, If any man be hear the word and not to do he's like a man. Behold his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh in the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. There's a key right there. Continueth therein. Not just hear it and forget it, but continue therein. You know as we're studying the Word of God, when we hear a message preached, I notice many of you take notes. And I'm glad you do. Because if God convicts you of something, those notes are there for your benefit. You can take that and you can continue in it. You can go back and you can study it again. You can continue to pray, ask God for victory, ask God to help you in whatever the area of life that needs to change. And you can study further. You can Start to, But the idea is you continue. Sounds very much like what the psalmist said many times of meditating on the Word of God. Meditating on the Word of God. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. But you and I need to behold ourselves in the light of the Word. Not the light of the world, because the world is full of darkness, but the light of the Word. Second Peter 1.19 we have, also more, uh, uh, we have also a more sure word of prophecy "Whereunto you do well, that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. You see, if it wasn't for the word of God, how would have I known my lost condition? How many times have you been witnessing to somebody and you tell them, you know, ask them if they're safe, safe from what? I didn't know I was lost. Well, that's the problem. They don't know that they're lost. We need to show them that without Jesus Christ as their savior, they are lost. But it's the word of God that showed me that, was it not? Does Paul not even say, if it wasn't for the law, how would I know sin? If God didn't tell us this is right and this is wrong, how will we know what is right and wrong? Now, yes, he's given us a conscience and written it on our hearts, but that is part of God's revelation to us of who he is, right? And we wouldn't know it if he didn't show it to us. So we need to behold ourselves in the light of the word. Because the Word of God is not just a mirror that shows us our error, but it shows us the cure. Aren't you glad of that? As I mentioned earlier, 2 Timothy 3, 15-16, uh, 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 sixteen especially all Scripture is given by inspiration to God. is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You know, God not only shows us this is where you're wrong, but God's Word shows us how to get it right but let's not depart without making a change because you will soon forget. Verse 24 says, And he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth. That's immediately. And men, I think all of us suffer from this problem that we we forget faster than we remember, right? Straightway. You know how quickly I forgot that I needed to shave yesterday? Well, as soon as I stopped looking in the mirror. About 30 seconds later, my mind was somewhere else. I totally forgot about it. Straightway, we forget. So we need to continue in the Word, continue to acknowledge God's working in our lives so that we're not as soon forget. And then to take action on it, not later, but now. Second Corinthians 6, 2, For he saith, I have heard thee in the time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the is the day of salvation. So what are the results of being a doer? He says, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. Looketh into has the idea to stop to look, to bend over to see. You know, you ever get something that catches your attention and you just stop and you, you get down, and you look at it and say, what is that? That's the idea of what it is. Whoso looketh into the law of liberty not just glancing at scripture, not just reading my chapter today so I can say I read my Bible, not just showing up to church, hearing a message so I can say I checked check that box off, but intently looking into the word of God. You know, Paul commended the Bereans. He said they were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they searched the scriptures daily. Paul said he was happy that this group that he was preaching to took the message that he said, They may have written notes, may have done something like that, but they go home and say, now I'm going to make sure what that preacher said is true. He commended them for it. And I commend anybody who makes sure what this preacher says is true. You know why? Because if it's Jim Core opinion, throw it out, it's worthless. But if it's the word of God, it's from him, not me. And that is the truth. And make sure that what I'm preaching is the truth. And if a preacher can't say that, he's not worth anything. But a good preacher is going to say, please take the word of God and examine what I'm saying and make sure what I'm saying is truth. And then if you can find that it's not, don't come to me with your opinion because I don't care about your opinion either, but come to me with the word of God and show me that what I said is not truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, the word of God is perfect. It's complete. Second Corinthians 3:18: "We all with open face, beholding as a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord." So we need to continue in the word. Continue in the word. <clears throat> Looketh in the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. It's not enough to have just read through the Bible one time. I don't know how many times I've read through the Bible. I'll be honest with you. I've never kept record of it. Partly because I know my personal nature would be to be like, I've read the Bible 20 times. You know what? If I've read it 20 times and there's no change in my life, so what? But as I study the Scriptures, it's not just so I can put a check in the box or I can stand up and give testimony how much of the Bible I've read. But every time I approach the Scriptures, I want to know more about the author of the Scriptures. I want to know Him and I want to be changed in the image of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So we continue in the Word. Jesus said, If you continue in My Word, then you are My disciples indeed. I mentioned earlier about meditating. So how do we not be a forgetful here? Well, Psalm 1, 1, and 2, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The best illustration that I've ever heard of meditating, God gave to us in nature. There are many animals, such as cattle, who... When they go out in the, in the pasture, they just rip all that grass up and they chomp it down and they swallow it down and they just fill all this up into their first stomach. But as soon as they're done, they go and lie down somewhere, nice and cool, and then they start chewing the cud. Now, not to be gross, but it's how God designed them. So they take that stuff that's down in this first compartment, this first stomach, and they regurgitate it, and then you see them just... Everybody ever watch cows do that? I'm like, why do you got to do so much side-to-side action with that jaw? But they're chewing the cud. They're meditating on it, if you will. You see, don't just hear the word. Meditate on the word. Going back to taking notes when you hear a message preached. That's not so you can just have a notebook full of sermon notes and say, wow, he didn't alliterate this one. wonder what was wrong with him that day. No, it's so you can go home and chew the cud. See, instead of going home and having roast pastor, how about you go home and meditate on the message and think, Lord, what did you teach me today? Or if you know what it is, you just sit there and you meditate on that. You think about that. Thinking about God and all his glory and all his wisdom and all his power, all his strength, all his awesomeness, all his love, all his mercy. How often do we just stop and think about God? You know, think of David who wrote many of the Psalms. Many night after night after night, he didn't have all the city lights. He sat there and he saw the sky and all the beauty of the sky and all the stars out there. And David just, wow, look at all that that God put up there for me to enjoy and see. What a powerful God, how big this is, how immense this universe. And yet he cares about me, this little tiny man on this little tiny planet. He cares about me. It really puts things in perspective, doesn't it? We tend to fall apart thinking God doesn't care like Habakkuk did when God never left us. And God always cares. But we got to meditate on the Word. And as we think about His Word, again, it's going to result more in our action because we're changing the way we think, which is going to change the way we act. So many talk Christianity, but there's no action of Christianity. It is amazing to me, and I've told Mike this many times, when they have candidates come into the God and Country Christian Alliance, how all of a sudden every one of them is a Christian. But then you hear them at another place and they've totally forgot about their Christianity. Did you know serving God involves work? See, somehow we think that I'm saved, I'm no longer going to hell, my sins are forgiven, so I'm good got my little ticket to heaven if you will and I'm not trying to say that disrespectfully but it's how some people act or as one preacher said their fire insurance to get out of hell and then sit by waiting for Christ to come even so Lord Jesus come quickly because I'm waiting that's not what Jesus said to do you know what Jesus said to do occupy occupy to I come, occupy. To I come. I'll use these two men as an example again. And Larry, this is what you get for asking to speak. You know why Mike and Larry served in the General Assembly? It's not because they thought they were anybody special. Although Mike is special with the knee. <laughs> it's not because they wanted the notoriety of it it's not because they wanted the popularity of it. It's because they believe that your freedoms, not given to you by government, but given to you by God, are worth action. You see, they heard the word. They heard the word that God said, I have given life. I have given freedom. I have given personal choice. These are rights given by God Almighty. They heard the word and they saw people saying, oh no, that's government's job. Oh no, that's government's responsibility. And they said, no, it's not. It's given by God. This requires action. I'll go endure sitting at the General Assembly to try to fight for what God said because it's action to what they heard. Do you follow what I'm saying? Now... I'm not saying that to put them on any type of pedestal. because But they, they went there to fight for what they saw as a need. Now, let me ask a question. You all have a neighbor or neighbors, depending on where you live. Your neighbor is going to spend eternity somewhere. You know that every man, woman, boy, and girl who's ever lived is going to spend eternity in either a Christless hell or in heaven for all eternity. You know that, right? Okay. You've heard it Has it moved you to action to go and tell your neighbor about salvation in Jesus Christ. You see, are we hearers or are we doers in an hour and a half? We all know life begins at conception, right? And an hour and a half, we're going to have opportunity in New Bern to show by action, a very simple action, holding a sign, doesn't take a whole lot of effort, for an hour, that I am taking action, not just having heard it, but I believe it, and I'm going to take action to stand for life. I know, because I've heard, that I am to live a life separated from the world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. I know I'm to be different than this world. I know my life is to be wholly separated to God. Do I take it do I take the actions to live a life separated from the world? You see, folks, we got to get down to where the rubber meets the road. We can hear the message, we can read the word, but until we're willing to take action on it, it did no good. When Paul was done preaching on Mars Hill, there were some who mocked. They <laughs> said, That's funny. Resurrection? You actually believe somebody rose from the dead? That's funny hey, let me go tell all my friends about this kook over here who thinks that somebody actually rose up from the dead. They were still lost. There were some who believed. Some who came to Paul and said, Paul, this Jesus of whom you preach, I want to know this Jesus. But there was another group that the Bible tells us who said, interesting. I think I'll come back next week and hear it again. You know, they left just as unchanged and just as lost as the first group who mocked. You know why? They heard, but there was no action. They heard, but there was no action. You've heard the truth this morning. Now it's time for action. By the way, as I said earlier, this is why we have an invitation. There's joy in serving Jesus. The end of verse 25, this man shall be blessed or happy in his deed. You know, God's ultimate goal for your life is not happiness, but when you serve God and when you do the word and not just a hearer of the word, you will be happy. You will be blessed. And so, Christian, my challenge today is if there's an area in which God has convicted you today, don't be a hearer of the word, be a doer. If you're here this morning and do not know Jesus Christ as your savior friend, we would love opportunity to share with you from the Bible, not from our opinion, but from God's word, how you can know for certain your sins are forgiven and how you can know that you have eternal life. Let me tell you, that's good news. But again, you have to be a doer. Now, you don't have to do anything to be saved. Christ has already done that. You have to put your faith and trust in him. Okay, you have to believe. But let's be a church it's full of doers and not hearers only. Let's bow forward to prayer.